Good afternoon. How's everyone doing? Good. All right, Pastor Jared got you guys all warmed up, which is good. I want to welcome you again to Toronto State Church. Welcome everyone who is joining us online as well. It is good to have you with us. How many people are ready for the Word of God today? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we're going to go there just a second. A couple housekeeping things I wanted to mention really quickly to you guys. First and foremost, most of you would be aware, but last week we did something very special. It's actually something I don't think we've ever done before. But we had an opportunity to give in a repentance offering. And this came out of the word from Emma Stark, who was with us about a month before that. And it was an opportunity for anyone led by the Lord uh, who felt they'd been withholding from God or had uh, some things they needed to make right with God to just to give an offering that was symbolic of that change and symbolic of that repentance in their life. And again, because of the nature of the offering, I'm not really into publishing how much came in and so on, but I want to tell you this. It was an amazing offering. It was an amazing offering, and I got so excited about it because, to me, every amount that was given was somebody responding to the Lord in obedience and somebody saying yes to God. And that's so key for us in this season. There's going to be so many opportunities that we have to say yes to God. So I just wanted to honor everyone who participated in that. I want to honor everyone who took a step in that. You felt led by the Lord, who sowed and who gave. Again, the obedience to God, I think, was so significant. And it was just such a significant opportunity. And if you were here last week or you missed it, and you said you still feel in your heart you want to give something, you are more than welcome to do so. Just get it in. Make sure you just mark it clearly that it's your repentance offering. Pray over it before the Lord. Just make your commitment to him. But again, just great job, guys. Part of the key for us in this season is pushing in to make sure we're doers of God's word and not just hearers. And there's going to be more and more things, I think, where God wants to direct us. He wants to lead us. He wants to challenge us in some areas. And what we've got to guard against is that tendency to go, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, yep, yep. And then actually just not do anything with it. It's a little bit like that parable that you guys maybe will remember about the father having two sons. He asked one to go work in the field, and the son said, no, I won't go. But then he went ahead and did it. And they had another, and he asked him to go, and he said, sure, I'll go, but he never did. And part of, obviously, we ideally want to be people who say yes and go and do it. But we want to guard against the danger of saying, yep, that's good, amen, okay, thank you, Lord, you know, whatever our response is, but then not actually following through. So last week to me was an amazing example of us doing it. And I want to encourage you, let's continue to press into this. Amen? Amen. We had that. Uh, we're excited. We had a great young adult launch this past weekend. And so if you're between 18 and 30, maybe you missed it, stay tuned. There are more things that are coming up, more opportunities. And my wife made sure to remind me of this. I want to encourage you regarding our encounters. Encounters are coming up. You can see them in the announcements, but there is deadlines for when you need to register. Everybody say, there's a deadline. And I know sometimes we like to wait till the last possible minute. I'm guilty of it as well. But I want to encourage you, if you want to participate, if you want to be involved, ladies, we need you to register by October the 9th. So that's Thanksgiving weekend. Two weeks from now, we need you to register. Gentlemen, it is going to be October the 16th, which is the week after, which is the deadline for us. So everybody say October 9th. Everybody say October 16th. 
And so make sure you get registered. Make sure you get involved. We are really excited about what God is going to do. And we're excited for the opportunity because we haven't been able to do encounters for, uh, it'll be just about three years when you count, you know, kind of the break and COVID and everything else. So we are very excited about getting this, this part of church life and this part of church family and what we do moving forward. I want to continue today with our series entitled Prototype. Everybody say Prototype. Now, I started this off last week. If you missed it, you can go back online, YouTube, podcast. You can kind of catch up to things. But we talked about just, there's a number of words that God's been speaking over us as a church family, a number of very significant things over this last season that have been spoken. And one of the key words that I wanted to zero on was this word prototype. And so we took some time to talk about what is a prototype. Well, a prototype is an original model. It's, it can speak of essential features to something. It can speak of something that's an example or it can speak of something that's a new design. And so part of what we're praying into, leaning into, kind of humbly pursuing as a church family is just this call that God wants to build something here that can be an original model. Not that we're just doing something that, you know, we, we, we never pull, we never learn from anybody or anything like that. We're not talking about it at all, but God wants to do something unique here that is original. And we have to be ready to lean into the new and the original things that God is doing. Um, the word example, I believe God is calling us. He's saying, will you allow me to work in you? Will you, call, you know, will you step up into the things I have for you? So you can even be an example and an encouragement to others. That there's a new design, that there's new things. I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over, guys. Get ready for the new. Be ready for the new. God wants to do new things. God wants to do new things in us. God wants to do new things in you. And you say, well, what are those new things? We don't know yet because they're new. And it's so easy even to say, yes, new things, amazing. But then we still gravitate to back to what we're comfortable to. We still gravitate back to what we're used to. We've got to stay in a posture to be ready for the new things. And then we are talking about these essential features and we wanted to talk time, and I really felt like over, I'm just going to see, I, I'm very open to the Lord, even how this fall is going to go in ministry and the word, and what we're doing, but we said, let's take some time, God's building new things, we want to talk about some of the basic building blocks of what he's doing, some of the essential things, and so last week we started off and we were talking about prayer, we were talking about encounter, and we were talking about radical generosity, that there were three in very important building blocks. Even if you look historically for us as a church family, where God's brought us from, where God's taking us, we can see how important prayer is. We can see how important the place of encounter is. We can see how important radical generosity is. But today, I want to take some time. I actually want to talk about another area. And I, I had a couple things I wanted to go to, but in first service, I really just got parked in this one area that's so important. It's so key. It's so essential to what God is building here. And so I pray that it's going to be a blessing and encouragement to each one of us. So let's go to the Word of God together. I want to go to Acts 2, 42 to 47. And what I actually want to ask, something a little different today, is I actually want us to stand as we read the Word of God. So if you want to stand where you are, you can have it yourself. It's going to be on the screen in front of you. And let's actually read this together today. I'll be coming from the English Standard Version. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you want to stay standing, let's pray and go before the Lord. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you today that it is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is supernatural seed that gets sown into the ground of our hearts and brings forth a harvest. And so I pray today as we have a few moments to go into your word, I pray that you will mark us today by your word. I pray that you will challenge us. I pray that you will encourage us. I pray that you will strengthen us. I pray that you will build us up. Lord, you know what we need to hear today. We want not just a word for ourselves, but we want a word from you. And Father, I pray that you will speak. And Lord, I pray that every one of us will not just be hearers of this word today. God, but we will be diligent to do something with it. We'll be diligent to respond. Even as we're listening, we'll already be paying attention, but we'll already be looking at how can I put this into practice in my life? How can I live this out? Holy Spirit, we just say you are welcome here right now. We just take a moment to to center ourselves in you, to to listen to you, move in our lives, move in our heart. Do your work in us in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed with me, said, amen. All right, well, if you want to find your seat, let's take a look for a moment. Acts 2.42-47 is our foundation. And really, as I was preparing and going over this, I thought to myself, I really could have just started with this verse last week. I really could have used this as the foundational scripture for last week because when you look at this passage very quickly, you see that one of the essentials in what God was doing in this time was prayer. And we talked about the power and importance of prayer and how key it is that we are a people of prayer and that we are a praying church. And so we see prayer in this passage. We also see the aspect of encounter in this passage. Even though the phrase is not used by itself, we can see that people are encountering God. It talks about signs and wonders being done. It talks about you can sense there's just this presence of God. And even this being Acts 2, 42 to 47, if you just go back earlier in Acts 2, it was all started by an incredible encounter where the Holy Spirit came and filled them all. And they were living out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we see in this passage encounter. We also see in this passage radical generosity. So even as we talked about that last week, we see where they were sharing with one another. They were generous. They were giving. There was this spirit of radical generosity. And if you're here last week, you'll remember I talked to you about how in every major move of God, one of the hallmarks of a move of God, one of the hallmarks of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is radical generosity. And it is, yes, a result of the work of God, but if you study it out so often, it is actually a catalyst for the work of God as well. As people just obey the Holy Spirit and jump into radical generosity. That's why I'm excited even about what we've participated in, even through last week as a church family. Today I want to take some time, and while last week I hit three things, I think today, I mean, we'll see kind of where the Holy Spirit takes it. It's always interesting, when you preach two messages, you kind of work off the same notes, but it can go a little bit of different directions in each one. But I want to talk to you about the power and importance of family and the power and importance of spiritual community. I'm going to connect those things together because we're talking about the essentials of what God's doing, the essentials of what God's building. Prayer is massively important. 
Uh, encounter is massively important. Radical generosity is massively important. But community, family, being spiritual family is so key, is so important, it matters so much. So one of the most important revelations that we can receive and we can walk in is the revelation that we are part of the family of God. In the Old Testament, God was, not, God was revealed in many ways, but it was in the New Testament when Jesus came that we see that God was revealed primarily as Father. And this was a radical shift and radical change. There's a few places in the Old Testament that God is referred to as Father or God is mentioned as Father. So it's in there a couple times. But it was not the predominant way that God was identified with. But then one of the key things that Jesus came was he said, I've come to reveal the Father. Now obviously he was coming to reveal God. That, that's very important. and very, very. But he came and he actually said, I've come to reveal the Father. He came to reveal this aspect of who God is. So much so that he regularly referred to himself as the Son of God. And also as God. And it's one of the reasons why the religious leaders were so angry with him. And would get so upset because he would call himself the Son of God. He would equate himself with God, which they considered blasphemy. But what he was actually doing was he's bringing this revelation that God is a father. And, and he had this secret ambition. He had this modus operandi. He didn't want to be the only son. He started as the only son. But his goal was to open the door for spiritual adoption to happen and all of us to come into the family of God. Uh, it's interesting because when he, disciples asked him how to pray, he started, he said, pray this way, our father. And this was revolutionary, but it was part of what God was doing. He was revealing family. And so an important part of family is this aspect of community, this aspect of being together, this aspect of being, because family in biblical context has the nuclear family, but then you have your tribe, the larger group that you are part of. There's all these different aspects. And so there's this aspect that we want to, we want to lean into as a church family. There's this aspect we want to be praying and asking God to help us grow. And it is this aspect of community. It's this aspect of spiritual family. It's this aspect of God joining our hearts together. And this passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47, is drenched in family and community. It starts by saying, and they're devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We're going to break that word down a little bit more. But there was this fellowship, this joining together, this community that was formed. And it's interesting, family, because fellowship was right up there with the teaching of the word, with breaking of bread and communion, and with prayer. It was right there. It was just as important. Now, I don't know about you, but quite often just, and I, I've been working on this. And I've been asking God to do something. When I read this, I see the word. I see prayer. I see communion. And then sometimes subconsciously, I'll see all fellowship. Yeah, if you can fit it in. Your fellowship, if, if there's time. Your life is busy. And yet for them, fellowship was just as important as reading the Bible. And receiving teaching from the word. Fellowship was just as important as prayer. Now we're not taking away from the other things. But that's how important community was. That's how important fellowship was. That's how important being together was. You go a little further along this word together. It says all who believed were together and had all things in common. God calls us together. Everybody say together. together. A little further on it says they attended the temple together. And we're breaking bread in their homes. And so over and over again throughout this passage, family, we see community. We see fellowship. We see together. 
We see being part of something that is bigger than just yourself. And it was absolutely vital. I believe, even in reading this, it was a vital part of the move of God and what he was doing. Yo, we all love the last part of the verse. I know I do, where it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love the miracles. I love the signs and wonders. I love the move of God. And even if you study church history, what he was doing. But what I realized today, and just even preparing this message, going through this passage, preaching and teaching this morning, that being together was so important in what God did. It was absolutely vital. This whole aspect of community, family, being together. Come on, everybody say, being together. Let me talk to you for a few moments about being together. Now, real talk, guys, there's a real challenge for us that we've got to understand, we've got to grapple with when it comes to the biblical teaching about community. Remember, we've already laid a foundation that it is part of being a follower of Jesus. If I said to someone, I said, what, what are the key you know, elements, what are the key things you need to embrace to follow Jesus? And we say, okay, do we need to read our word? You know, we need to read the Bible. Like, yeah, for sure. Do we need to pray? Yeah, definitely. People are like, yeah, we need to pray. Do we need to fast? Yeah, we need to fast. Do we need to share our faith with other people? Yeah, we need to share our faith with other people. Okay, do we need to be in community with one another and be intentional about being together? A lot of people go, well, yeah, I, I, I guess, if we, but if we're with God, that's just as important. That's just as much a spiritual discipline of following Jesus. It's part of this life of faith is being joined in a community. But here's the challenge we run into. In our Western culture, kind of our North American way of doing things, we live in a culture that is drenched in individualism. We live in a culture that is, and, and it starts right from, I mean, it is just everywhere throughout our culture. It's really, it's very much a key, <coughs> excuse me, underlying tenet of Western culture and Western thinking. We always lean towards the individual. Everything is always about the individual. So here's what happens. God is calling us to live in community, and yet we've grown up in, and we live in a culture that's all about the individual. And so without realizing for so many of us, we don't even have a context of what this looks like. We don't have a context of how to live this out. And it's almost like you're in a river and the river's flowing downstream towards individualism and individuality. And God's asking you to swim upstream towards community. But so many times we get pushed downstream without even realizing because it's just all we know. And so in our culture, what happens is we see everything through the lenses of the individual or of individualism. Let me give you a couple examples of how this can affect our faith. We talk about my personal relationship with God. Now some of us are going, well, wait a minute, what's wrong with that, Pastor? Aren't we supposed to have a personal relationship with God? Yes, we are. But what we do is this, is we lean, the emphasis is on my personal relationship with God without understanding that, yes, God's called us to have a personal relationship with him, but there's also a relating to God that happens as we're together in community. You guys ever heard the verse that talks about, know you not that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? How do we tend to see that? How about you? We see ourselves. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. But actually, if you read the verse, it doesn't say that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit or I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're like, wait, what do you mean? What? It says you are. Like all of you. It's plural. 
There's something about us together that creates the temple of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I'm not saying that individually you still cannot be a temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's something about community where God calls us together and it unleashes and it you know, connects into things that we never would walk in by ourselves. How many know you are not the body of Christ? I'm not the body of Christ. I can't be the body of Christ by myself. The very essence of being part of the body of Christ means I'm connected to others. It means I'm in community. It talks about in 1 Peter how we're living stones built together. And so what we have to really grapple with, and this is going to be our battle as we go forward, guys, is God is calling us to live in this place of community, to go after community, to prioritize community, to embrace community, but we live in a culture that keeps pushing us towards individualism. And so we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to get rid of the filters of individualism and to understand God's call in community. Now again, it's not that you don't have a personal relationship with God. It's not that you don't have these things, but because of where we go, we always push and it's all about me. Let me give you another example. We talk about my purpose and my calling. Now, I love preaching about your purpose and your calling. I want to see every one of you walk in your purpose and calling. But what happens when we look at that with individualistic lenses on? We see it as just me. What I'm called to, my thing, and if anything else gets in the way of that, if relationships get in the way of that, if people around us get in the way of that, we're like, well, i got to cut that off because I need my purpose and my calling. And yet God says to you, there's so much purpose and calling that I have, not just for you individually, but for you as part of a group, for you corporately. What about our purpose? What about our calling? What about the things that God has called us to? And what I've actually found over the years is if I will connect to the bigger vision, the bigger purpose of what God's doing, I'll come into community with people that God's called me to community. That actually becomes the incubator for me to walk out my purpose. But if we have these individualistic lenses on, all we see is my relationship, my purpose, my calling. And it's all about me. But in the kingdom, guys, it's not me over we, but it's we over me. And here's how it works. If you will learn to follow the Holy Spirit and focus on the we, God will actually take care of the me. But we've got to, there's got to be some things that get broken down so we can truly embrace community. Come on, everybody say, we over me. It's so key and it's so important. Let's take a little bit of time to focus on this word fellowship. As it talks about, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, when you hear fellowship, what do you think of? I know for myself, growing up at Pentecostal 1980s church kids, fellowship meant after church, you'd come out of service and we would go to the gym that had carpet in the gym. I don't know why they put carpet in the gym. And there'd be food out there and you'd spend time talking to people and that was fellowship. It was called the fellowship hall. Anybody else did fellowship, post-service fellowship? Okay, I'm getting a few hands, a few people with me. I remember the man, that carpet, that gym. They, I, they, but they decided to put up basketball hoops anyways. Don't play basketball on carpet. It's not a good idea. The rug burns are terrible. 
right? But there was this law. Thankfully, one day they finally got rid of the carpet and put a proper floor down in there. But that was our best fellowship. It was got food and talking to people. You know, I remember my mom getting mad because she's like, I want to leave, but your dad keeps talking to people or whatever else in between, you know. And so that's all we think of with fellowship. And we think of, you know, the way, the, but there's so much more than God. The, the word fellowship is this. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia means this. Henry, Henry, uh, Joseph Henry Thayer's Greek English lexicon of the New Testament defines it as fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. So what you'll find at different points in the Bible, you are going to find words. It's good to, you know, especially want to dig deeper in the scriptures to start learning how to study original language. You don't have to become an expert at it, but there's quite a bit of tools. We go at. But you'll find words that there's just no word in English that properly, that properly describes it. I mean, any of you, if you're, if you're bilingual or trilingual, you understand different languages. You understand what I mean, where sometimes there can be a word in one language and there's just, you're trying to describe what that word means in another language, but there's no like perfect crossover. So you guys can say, well, it's got, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody language? Like it's kind of, it's that. And so you're going to find these things biblically. And so what happens with the word koinonia is one of the most powerful words in the scriptures. But it gets translated different ways because we just don't have an English word that quite works for it. But it's, it's this element of, of, of where we talk about koinonia, of, of, it talks about fellowship. Now, we don't even get the word fellowship well because we usually just think talking to people and eating. Right, but but the uh, the best example I could think of that maybe helps people understand this a little more. I don't know if we have any uh, any Lord of the Rings fans, Lord of the Ring nerds in here besides myself. I will readily admit I love Lord of the Rings. Me and my daughter especially. The first book that Tolkien wrote. Some of you are going, "Oh my gosh, Pastor, what are you doing?" But the first book that Tolkien wrote was called The Fellowship of the Ring. And what it actually focused was it was a group. If you don't know the whole story, there was this ring that needed to be destroyed. And because if the enemy got his hands on it, he was going to destroy the earth. So it's kind of one of those things. So a group of them came together and they actually covenanted together. And there was a company that said, we're going to work together to destroy this ring. And they called it the fellowship. And the whole point was the fellowship could not be broken. We are all going to be committed to this. That's, that's kind of, that's the older understanding of the word fellowship in the English language. So even when we hear they committed to fellowship... They weren't just committed to getting together and eating food, even though we'll talk about that for a second. That's a really good thing to do. But there was actually a purpose. They were joining together around. And they were committed to each other in life and in death to cause this task to come to pass. You see, you, see, you start unpacking that word. That's just one of the meanings of koinonia, of fellowship. So we see it was fellowship. It's association, community, communion. Isn't that interesting? Of, of joint participation. It says the origin of the Greek word koinonios, which means the partner, sharer, or a companion. In short, it is a shared community that involves deep, closeness, close-knit participation among its people. Community, close-knit participation. This is what they were saying was happening in the early church. And this is what I believe God wants us to lean into as a church, even as we continue to move forward with what he has for us. Another, uh, uh, another uh, commentator said this, koinonia depicts an interactive relationship between God and believers who are sharing new life through Christ. Now, on one level, that sounds like just kind of a nice phrase, but think about that. It's an interactive relationship between God and between fellow believers who are sharing a joint life in Christ. 
That's powerful, guys. That's not my relationship with God. That is my, but it's ours. I thought more about this, and it reminded me, and you guys, most of you will be very familiar with this passage, Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And he said to them, they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Verse 37, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when I, when I, for years, whenever I'd read this verse, here's what happened. I would read it through the individualistic lenses of the culture. Again, it's just Western culture, what I grew up in. You know, interestingly enough, what I love about having a diverse church, some of you, 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 you're understanding what I'm saying in that you know where your nation of origin or the culture that you grew up in, and then you come to Canada, you're like, why, why is everyone so disconnected? Why is everyone, like, why does family not mean more? Why is there this disconnect? Because it's, it's you've moved from a culture, and I'm telling the truth, right? You've moved from a culture where, where we, was more important, uh, we was more important than me. But then you get dropped into a culture where me is more important than we. And, and, and there's this, but it's often it's, it's just, it, it just, it's like the leaven the Bible talks about. It just infiltrates everything. So you can't even put your finger on it. So every once in a while something comes up and we go, oh, wait, no, no, that's... A. But see, what God's calling us is he's saying, I've not called you just to live within your culture. I've called you to a kingdom culture. I've called you to the culture of the kingdom. And I've called you to follow scripture, which means Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, you do not need to be conformed to this world, but you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to renew your mind in this place of culture, of community. I want to renew your mind because it's interesting guys even this verse when I'd read this I'd read it through the lenses of individuality so here's how I'd read this verse you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment and the second is like you shall love your neighbor as yourself and yet loving your neighbor as yourself is just as important as loving God with all your heart soul mind and strength they're both part of this everything hangs on that but if I read it through the lens of individuality, again, it's me, I need to love God. And how many people have you said, or you've heard somebody say, I've heard preachers joke about it. I don't think I've ever said it myself. Maybe in my mind I've said it though. I love God, it's just his people I can't stand. <laughs> now, if we're all honest, we've probably had our moments. I love Jesus, it's just Christians I have a problem with. right? And, and some of our wrestlings and our struggles, and yet part of the call is it's not just enough to love God, but it's actually engaging and asking the Holy Spirit help us and move in this place of loving one another with the same passion that we love God. The vertical, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, it's like the picture of the cross. The vertical is loving God, but you don't have a cross until you add the horizontal where we love one another. And family, the best way I could explain it, this kind of just popped out as I was preaching the first service, Koinonia is that point of intersection where loving God and loving people meet and you're loving God and you're loving one another and it's this point and you live in that place that's what koinonia is some people want to love God and they're just like I just don't want to have to deal with people you don't have koinonia some people love want to love people but their relationship with God is not you don't have koinonia because the power comes from him the life comes from him you can love people, have great relationship with, G with people, but it's people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ that if you understand koinonia, you go to a totally different level with. 
That's why in John 13, 35, I believe he said this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. I've, I've often thought about that verse, and sometimes I thought, well, Lord, wouldn't it be miracles? Wouldn't it be like the preaching of the gospel? And, and those things are important. We know they're in there. But yet he put this emphasis, and it's because I believe that we're loving him, that's intrinsic here, and as we're loving one another, it creates this atmosphere that becomes so attractive to people around us. It becomes this atmosphere that becomes so attractive because people are, we're, we're in God's image, God is love, we're made for love, and when we start to encounter real love, it transforms us and it changes our life. But that is what koinonia is, living in this place of loving God, loving one another. Koinonia is this daily place where we are working on this. And so fam, I want to encourage you, I was just, I was just, as I was preparing this message, I was wrestling with it, and part of why I was wrestling was I was recognizing myself, God, I need to grow in this. God, I want to go deeper. I want our church family to go deeper. Because we're in this culture where you're constantly pushed the other way. Furthermore, sometimes it's just hard to figure it out, hard to sort out, how do we break through? How do we do this? How do we be intentional about this? How do we swim upstream? How do we give everything we have as a church family to say, God, we want to be a church family. We want to be a community. We want there to be real koinonia. I want to read you a couple more passages just out of the message paraphrase from uh, Dr. Eugene Peterson. I love how he phrased it, but what I want to do, I've just, I, 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 I mean, I could take a lot of time to break them down, but I actually just want to read them. I might comment a little bit, but as we read it together, I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, speak to me about community from this. Speak to me about what community looks like for us. Philippians 2, 1 to 4 says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, do you know there's a difference between coming to a Sunday service at a church and allowing the Lord to join you in a community of the spirit? And it's good to ask ourselves, do I just attend a service or have I allowed my heart to be brought into the community of the spirit? Which is also interesting because that's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not just something we do in ourselves, but it's a work of the Spirit. So let's get back to reading here. He said, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything, if you have a heart, if you care, I mean, he's laying it on really thick right now. He's just building it up. He says, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. In other words, be in agreement. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. When's the last time we heard a sermon on friendship? I know some of you are sitting there going, well, I haven't pastored because I don't know if you've preached about it for a while. <laughs> I had to challenge myself. Once, be deep-spirited friends. And I love that too because it's in the Spirit, but I believe it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's part of what koinonia is. So many of us we have deficits in friendship, and that's not God's best for us. And there's, then we'll talk about this, there's, there's a lot of reasons that flow into that. It's not a quick fix. You know, sometimes it's easy to say, well, the church. Whenever I feel tempted to say that, I remind myself that I'm the church. You know, it's, it's, we, we can so often point, but, but here's the issue is God says deep-spirited friendships don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. 
Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Guys, that's part of what koinonia looks like, agreeing with one another, loving one another, being deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. It's one of the things I've noticed. People are really good at loving people. Because I find sometimes I can be, I'm more introverted, and, and relationships was never like my strongest suit. I've worked at it hard. Hopefully I'm okay. Uh, I keep trying to get better. But I, I always watch and I learn for people are really good at relationships. Like Pastor Sharon, she's just like really natural and really good at relationships. I learned lots from watching her. Now I, but, but here's one of the things I know is people are really good at loving people. They're always trying to put other people first. Like they just got this radar of how can I build this person up? How can I put this person first? How can I help this person? But guys, that's what fuels koinonia and community is where we're working to put one another first. Let's look at Romans 12, 9 to 21. It's a little longer, but it's just so good. And again, talking about this element of koinonia. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. I mean, that's a good word right there. Uh, how often do we, do we fake it? I'll just leave that right there right now. Run for dear life from evil. Well, so let me just say something for a second. I think part of this is getting a little more honest with each other. How are you today? Sometimes I ask people how they're doing. I don't even really want to know. Can I just call myself out? I got a lot going on today. Someone says, oh, I'm doing terrible. And I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't have asked right now. It's totally not pastoral. But I, I got, I don't, sometimes you're just like, I got enough problems. I don't got time for your problems. I just want you to tell me I'm good. Daps, we're good. All right. What if we really got honest with each other? I know it'd be a little scary at first, but how are you today? Actually, I'm not doing well. I've been battling with this. I'm going through this. And obviously, don't put your business out to everybody. But I'm just talking about embracing a culture where we, how are you doing? One of the things I was saying to our first service crowd, you know, we say, oh, I'll pray for you. And we're lying. We never pray for them. I had to catch myself in that because it can just become like this. It's the nice thing to say, right? Oh, I'll pray for you. So I just made a commitment. All right, I'm not going to tell someone I'm going to pray for them unless I pray for them. And even if I take a moment to pray for them right there, I'm not going to say it. I, I don't want fakeness. I want real. I want it to be real. And so it's saying, so, so it, it can get a little dangerous because we actually start telling each other how we're doing. And we ask people because we really want to know rather than just being the customary greeting. But see, that's where you start investing and saying, okay, let's go deeper. Let's push a little further here. Let's start developing true koinonia. Uh, love from the center of the air. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. I love this again. Be good friends who love deeply. You know, I, 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 this is something I had to work on too. I, I had to really say, okay, Lord, how am I as a friend? Like, I, I, as a pastor, I, I know how to put the pastor hat on, and I know how to walk in relationships up, but I had, to, I had to really grapple with some things, and, and I continue where, where I thought, man, sometimes I'm not a very good friend. And sometimes, you know, I know for myself, I'd hit seasons and I'd be frustrated that I don't have more friends, but God was like, well, how good of a friend are you? Because you reap what you sow. And I had to look, but it says, being a good friend who loves deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. 
Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Now, here's what I do when I read this. I realize this. Be good friends who love each other deeply. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be a good friend. And, and practice playing second fiddle, okay? Don't burn out. I immediately put down my individualistic lenses again. Okay, I need to make sure I don't burn out. I need to keep myself fueled in a flame. I need to be an alert servant of the master. I need to make sure I don't quit in hard times. Guys, you know what I realized the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, Brendan, all these things, you become so much easier when you're in community. You burn out so much quicker when you're by yourself. What keeps you fueled in a flame is being with the Lord, but it's also being with one another. I was thinking about being up at my parents' trailer this summer, and we do fires with the kids. And, you know, it's kind of the old example, but if you take a coal out of that fire and you put it out somewhere else in the campsite or by the trailer site, it's going to burn out very quickly. But if you keep that coal with the other coals, Lily, you can wake up in the morning and you can still see a little bit of the embers and the heat. Why? Because they were together in community. Family, I want to encourage you today. God's calling us to go deep in community. God's calling us to grow in community. But as we do that, it's going to keep us fueled in a flame. It's going to keep us in place to serve the master. Don't quit in hard times. You know one of the best things you need in your life when you feel like quitting? You need a brother or sister in Christ right next to you says, come on, you got this, don't quit. You need somebody who's going to kick you in the butt sometimes in love. You need somebody who's going to call you and say, hey, I didn't see you at church today. Why weren't you at church today? Come on, let's talk. You need people in your life who can help you in that. But what the devil does so often is he wants to get us isolated because it becomes so much harder. Help needy Christians. Help one another. Be inventive in hospitality. I don't have time to go down this road today, but hospitality, guys. You know how much the Bible talks about hospitality? Welcoming people, opening up our lives, opening up our homes. You know, but yet we live in the GTA where we have a hard time saying hello to each other on the streets. It's true, and we, we all fall into it. So everyone kind of, you know, it's so funny. I laugh. Even we go up to the cottage, for example. At the cottage in the country, you say hi to people. You wave at people. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like you drive and you wave in the boat. Everybody does it. But it's so funny because, you know, come in the city, you know, just look at the floor. Don't look at anybody, etc. Lily, I just put me two hours outside the city. Put me on a lake in a boat. I'm just waving to everybody. And my kids used to laugh at me during COVID because remember the early days of COVID? The most exciting thing you could do in a day was go for a walk. Right? Because we're all stuck at home. So we go out for a walk. And we'd walk by people. And do you remember those early days? I mean, you'd see people. I guess you were trying to be. But you'd like, it's almost like we all got this, like, well, we'd walk and, okay, just you go over there. I'll go over here. We'd kind of like, you know, go across the street. I mean, it was so antisocial. And I know why we're doing it. But part of me was just like, I'm not doing this. And so I just thought, I'm going to wave hi to people. And the kids used to get so much joy out of laughing at how many people would totally ignore me. I thought they thought it was hilarious. I go, hey, how are you doing? They'd wait till you're trying to go, ha ha, dad, they didn't say anything to you. And sometimes I'd be like, yes, they did. They nodded. I saw them nod. They gave me the, you know, they gave me, no, dad, you're lying. They didn't do it. This was our whole thing. You ask the kids, they got so much kicks out of how many people would just not even acknowledge. But it's just part of kind of what's all, God wants us to break out of those molds. Amen? And so there's this element, hospitality, welcoming people, open up our lives. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. That's a good word. Amen. Some of us are really good at cursing under our breath. <laughs> oh, yes, God bless you, brother. After us, you know, just whatever else. Uh, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. 
share tears when they're down. You know, some of us were part of it. We, we had an opportunity to do that this week because a couple in our church family lost their son just recently and he passed away and we had the funeral here on Friday and, and we shed tears together because that's, that's what you do when you're in community. Um, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be a great somebody. I saw a funny meme this week and it said, when the pastor, you know, it's one of those guys making a kind of this weird face. It goes, when the pastor preaches about making friends with people you don't like and everybody comes up to you after church and shakes your hand and wants to meet you. <laughs> like, Wait a minute here. What's going on? Uh, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. I love that. How often do we just judge each other? We don't even mean to, but we categorize each other. Oh, I like their outfit. I don't like their outfit. Oh, they really shouldn't have done that with their hair today. Oh, their worship or this or that. Like, it's just, we just filter. What if we just started renewing our mind to say, let's see the beauty in one another. Let's see the beauty in people around us. Because what you're seeing is going to affect everything else. If you've got it in you, uh, if you got to get along with everybody, don't insist on getting even, for that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. And if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So this is, this is the life of Koinonia, guys. And, and this is where God's calling us. I'm not preaching this today because I think we've got absolutely none of this. I, I think we've got some good, good building blocks, some good ingredients, but, but I think there's more. I think there's so much deeper that God's calling us to, where he's calling us to be this place of community, this place where not just where we all come to a service and kind of go through the service and go out, but we actually say, no, let's go beyond that. If God's called us family, if God's called us together, let's invest in this. Let's, let's fight for it. Let's believe for it. Let's go deeper in community together. Now, just in closing, if Mike wants to come back and join me, just some practical steps. Just some, how could we actually live this out? Because what I'm really going to be hitting hard in this season, I mean, I don't know, maybe forever going forward, because I think we just need to, is guard against the trap of hearing the word and not doing it. Every time you hear the word of God and you don't do it, your heart gets a little harder. And it gets easier for you to hear it again. You can to the point, you just, God's speaking. Yep, 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 walk out, nope, nope, nope. Become good at doing what God said. So like even in a message like this today, you're saying, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? So what are some things we do? Well, number one, just take the practical step of togetherness. Everybody say togetherness. Like there's an element where we just say, okay, we just need to be together. You can't cultivate koinonia by yourself. It's impossible. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. But yet we've just come through two years and a half where we've been more apart than ever before. And again, I'm not against online ministry. Hi, everyone watching online. I'm thankful for you. I'm really glad you're tuning in. But there's all, koinonia doesn't work watching YouTube and just sitting in your home. And, 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 and it, it, it can lead us into a dangerous place. We've got to be very, where's the community that God has for? Where are we connecting and where are we together with others? Because God's called us to be together. 
And life is busy. There's lots that's going on. But followers of Jesus need to be intentional to say, where am I together with other believers? How am I getting together? And even we use technology. But even simply, when was the last time you just text somebody a text of encouragement? When was the last time you just FaceTimed somebody or called somebody just said, hey, I just want to connect for a second? When was the last time we, 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 that we invest in being together? Practical steps. Number two, we saw it so often here, but breaking bread together. You know one of the best ways to build community is to eat food together. Look at how much of Jesus' preaching and teaching was over a meal. The longest sermon we have of Jesus in the book of John was sitting around a table, not him standing behind a pulpit. And I'm thankful the pulpit is important. Jesus was on the pulpit and then he fed people to 5,000. But there's something about eating together and breaking bread together. Pastor Sharon, again, she gets this so well. You guys know I've preached to you enough. I'm a little bit of captain budget. I got to take care of all the finances, church, household. I'm taking care of stuff. But quite often we're planning, and me and Pastor Sharon's like, we need to get food. In my mind, I'm seeing dollar signs. And I'm going, no, we don't need food. And she's like, yeah, we need to get food. I'm better now. Uh, this used to be me before. And my mom's thinking, no, they can get food before. Just go to buy something at Tim Hortons. And she, but food just makes it better. And if you know, we're trying to build in, we're trying to invest where we do a meeting. Okay, let's bring some food. Because there's just something about way God's way. And you notice at the end of time, it is going to be the marriage supper of the lamb, not the worship service of the lamb. There's something about breaking bread, eating food together. When was the last time you had a meal with somebody else in the church family? When was the last time you had somebody over, you had somebody out, you, 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 you did something where we ate together? This ties into the third practical step, which would be hospitality. Uh, I, I need to land this so we're not, but hospitality is opening our lives, opening our homes making room for other people, and making them feel welcomed. Again, with consumer-based Christianity and that individualist mindset, like, catch this, guys, it becomes very much about what's quickest for me, what's easiest for me, what's most convenient for me. It's built into us. But sometimes being in the kingdom means you're inconvenienced. Sometimes being in the kingdom means you're setting your needs aside for somebody else. It means you're welcoming people. How do you welcome people? How do we do that? Number four, do we serve one another? Right, serving. Did you come in here today and say, Holy Spirit, how can I serve somebody today? How can I make somebody else's day better? You know, I think for most of us, because I know even myself, sometimes it's that battle. You come in, you're just thinking, okay, I got to get this done, I got to do this. Okay, when service is done, hopefully it won't go, you know, like all that stuff. And it's just, I'm caught up in me, right? Instead of the me over we. Instead of flipping that and saying, okay, God, how do I embrace we over me? Sharing our abundance with one another. When was the last time you just blessed somebody who was in need? Or you just blessed somebody because God told you to? Growing up, we used to call them, I think the phrase for them was Pentecostal handshakes. Somebody would come up, shake your hand, and there'd be some money in their hand that they just bless you with. I've heard so many stories where someone was just so in need. Someone would come and that person didn't even know, but they just heard the Holy Spirit and said, hey, I'm going to share with others who are in need. I mean, this is a simple one, but how about praying for each other? When was the last time you just prayed for somebody? Hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? But then actually did it, right? Even be bold. Do it right in the moment. 
I mean, come on, guys. If we are nervous about asking people in church of what they need prayer for and praying for them, we, we got to work on this. But this can be a practice place even. But what we pray for one another. And that we encourage one another. There's something so powerful about the gift of encouragement. And, and, and John Maxwell said this. It always stuck with me. He said, he said, whenever I meet somebody, within the first minute, I've disciplined myself to find something that I can encourage them about or something I can tell them that I like about them. He's like, I just, I look, I listen, I look, and I just have disciplined myself to find some way to add value to them, even in that first minute of the conversation. What happens when you get a whole church family that are committed to being together, that are committed to breaking bread together, committed to hospitality, committed to serving one another, sharing our abundance, praying for one another, encouraging one another? I think it would be pretty beautiful, wouldn't it? And again, I'm not preaching it because I don't think we have it at all. I think we see some beautiful examples of it. But I think there's more. I think God wants to take us deeper. And I actually believe even as we talk to this picture of the cross, where you've got loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, loving our neighbor, self, koinonia is at that point of intersection. I believe it's in the days that are coming. It's in places and people that will embrace that point of intersection that you're going to see powerful moves of God. And so most significant things that God is going to do is not necessarily going to be in a service, but it might be over a dinner table. It might be in, in gathering together. It might be in just that, that Holy Spirit-prompted text and phone call in the middle of the week because you're saying, hey, it's not just me over we. I'm part of community. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. How can I minister and bless somebody today? How can I do it? What, what can I do? I think God's going to do incredible things. Maybe we can start up with the mic. If worship wants to come back. So just in closing, I want to encourage you in this. So often, especially these messages about community, and maybe you don't have to raise your hand. I won't call it out, but... Maybe for some of us, this is already what happened. Start talking about community. Yeah, the church needs to do that. The church needs to be better at that. Yeah, I don't feel a lot of that in this church. But sometimes, yeah, we don't. We're not perfect at it. Sometimes we're not very good at it. But, but we want to go in the right direction. But here's what I want to encourage you. Every time I get into that zone, I said it to you in this service, I stop and I remind myself, I am the church. We are the church. So what am I going to do about this? Not what am I going to say everybody else needs to do about this. Right? There's, maybe there's a, a married individual here and you keep asking God to change your spouse and God actually wants to talk to you about changing you. And if you let God change you, God is more than capable of working on your spouse. But... He's working on you. So in closing today, I want to just us to pray. I want us because ultimately, guys, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of our own selves. It's not a work that we can figure ourselves. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, unite us. Holy Spirit, make us one. Holy Spirit, we want the power and the love of God. We want this koinonia, this community. We want to do our part, but we know it's going to be empowered by you. And so if that's you today, I want to invite you just to stand to your feet wherever you are, because I want to pray. I'm standing because I'm saying, Lord, take me deeper in community. I'm saying, Lord, take me deeper in loving those around me. Take me deeper in hospitality. Take me deeper in relationships. Take me deeper. And can I say this? I didn't get time to preach into it today, but I will connection groups are an amazing place to live this out 
There's only so much you can live out here on a Sunday morning. Connection groups are an amazing opportunity. And we want to encourage you, get connected. Get connected. Be part of community. Be part of what God's doing. But let's just raise our hands to the Lord. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. And just as we bring this message and this Sunday to a close, Father, we ask in Jesus' name for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives in this area of community. God, help us to take off those lenses that see everything individualistically. God, help us to see community. Help us to see what you're doing. God, we want our hearts to be open so you can join us together. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just lead us and guide us and direct us and that we'll listen and obey. Maybe it's going to a meal with somebody. Maybe it's just texting or calling somebody. Maybe it's just making a decision. I'm not going to show up late and run out as fast as I can at the end of service anymore. I'm actually going to open my heart up to be connected. I'm going to let God join me together. Whatever it is, our response today, God, I pray that we will be doers of this word and not just hearers. God, that we won't have to put up walls to hide behind anymore, but there'll just be something very deep and authentic and real that you're doing. God, that we will be committed to the word, we will be committed to prayer, we'll be committed to fasting, but God, on the same level, we'll be committed to community. We'll be committed to koinonia. We'll be committed to loving one another. Help us to walk this out. Do this work in our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me said, you know, again, I, I know some of you are maybe going, like these encounter things you guys are making a big deal about. One of the things I love most of what God does is there's an anointing of koinonia as we gather and seek God together. And there's just like this uniting that happens that is supernatural. It, it really is what God does, but that's what God is up to. And in a world that is increasingly disconnected, I believe that one of the great testimonies of the people of God will be the love that we have for one another. And it's going to draw so many people to Jesus because it's going to be like water to somebody in the middle of a desert. And so, Father, we thank you for this work. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for joining us together. Thank you for koinonia in our hearts. And we love you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, just with our head bowed and eyes closed, before I release everyone, I want to ask if there's anybody here today that needs to be right with God. You need to make your life right with Him. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love because of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That's Romans 6.23. And so if you're in this place, you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, or I need to give my life back to him. And you know that's you today. I want you just wherever you are, just to raise your hand as well today. So we got some people that want to pray with you. There's anybody that needs to be right with God, that needs to give their life back to him. Amen. All right, well, Father, we thank you today for your work in us. Thank you that you are joining our hearts. We love you so much today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me said, amen. Amen, amen. Our, as been our practice, the team's just going to worship for a few moments. If you want to just stay and worship God, if you'd like to come forward to the front, you're welcome to do that. Other than that, though, we're done for today. We love you. But let's do something with this word, guys. Like, do something this week. Ask God, what is something I can do? How can I be more connected. How can I join in the community of what God's building? We love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week.